it's time for the Brotherly Love Podcast. Keeping it real on the Philly sports scene since 2014. But, you know, still, he's yakless. Oh, the yakless wonder. He is. My God. Good job, Zach Ertz, baby. Love it. Ertzy, babe. Ertzy, babe. Whether it's the fight in Bills, the birds, the fly guys, the process, or a national headline, these two beauties are talking sports with a passion only Philly fans can comprehend. Here's your host, Joe O'Donnell. God damn it, I love Chase Sutton. And John Mita. Terry Williams, do me a favor. For one week, can I not talk about you? SoundCloud, iTunes, what up? It's the Brotherly Love Podcast. I am Joe O'Donnell. John Mita's keeping it real out on the East Coast. Follow us on Twitter at BelovePodcast. Again, the Brotherly Love Podcast, back at it. And Johnny Meade, always a pleasure, my friend. How are you, dude? Feeling good. Feeling good. A little disappointed about the, the fly guys. But uh, got Sixers hoops to look forward to tonight, which uh, which has been great. Yes, we do. We got closeout game time, my friend. Closeout game time. Sixers up 3-1 in the series. Oh, yes. The music, baby. Clap your hands. All right, how do they get it done up 3-1 against the Heat? Tell me, tell me. Tell our peeps, Johnny Mita. How do the Sixers close it out tonight? (laughs) All right, what do you got? What do you got? How do they close it out? All right, stop singing and tell me how they close out the series. This is the best catchiest tune ever. <laughs> then I'll let it ride, baby. I'll let it ride. I know. What, what year did this song come out, man? They, that's, I know it's this old school tune, but I'm just curious as to when that came out. I just love how they brought it back. Man. Oh, I, I, I mean, love it, too. I mean, it's just so catchy and old and weird. And- All right, let me ask you this, then. Sort of, yeah. a, sort of a related note, bringing stuff sure. back from the past, with the yeah. Flyers' exodus in resounding fashion in a negative way. Yeah. I'm seeing a lot of stuff on Twitter that the Kate Smith, God bless America, has got to go. I that was it's funny you brought that up. You know, it was kind of talked about on the airways back here in Philly. People, people like it. People want to end it. There's a lot of people that said out with the old and with the new. Just let Lauren Hart do her thing. Although Danny Briere came on, he was on 97.5 Philadelphia um, with the afternoon crew, and he said it, it just, it, you know, it just gives them chills when they do the duet. So he liked the Kate Smith. You know, he's a former player. So I, I don't know. I, I don't know what, what they should do. I mean, you would think it would get people fired up, but maybe they just start their own thing. I don't know. I'm going to say this. First of all, it's God bless America, and half the players aren't American. All right? So let's just get that out of the way right now. Two-thirds <laughs> of the players point. aren't American. Uh, you know, most of these Euros and whatnot, they're, you know, the anthem to them is background noise. If you uh, put yourself in the Czech yeah. Republic tomorrow, what do you think, what do you think, <laughs> you know, if you if the Czech Republic anthem is on and you had to go out and play a pickup basketball game, how fired up are you going to get? That's such an awesome point. Seriously. I've never heard that. But no, you're so right. I've never heard that. I mean, it's the crowd. It's all the crowd. If the crowd's amped up, you're amped up. You're doing your own thing. You focus in your own way. Now, for the six Americans 
Is Does it mean something? Probably. Yeah. But do they relate yeah. to Kate Smith at all and the, and the Broad Street Bullies? No. Now, Danny Breer, a little bit more old school, and those teams actually yeah. did some damage in the playoffs, and you start to gain some traction when you do so. And, by the way, those teams were probably much better at home. And I mean, To me, that's the most disappointing thing about this the way the Flyers season ended is they got shellacked at home where they were awesome all year. They were one of the best home ice records in hockey, if I'm not mistaken. Absolutely. And they couldn't get out of their own way at home ice. Anyway, I was just thinking you talk about bringing back the old with the Sixers theme song and how it's been embraced and they're going with the Philly unis and the old kind of old school colors. These aren't the Aaron McKee, Allen Iverson black uniforms. Uh, the Eric Snow black uniform, right? They're, they're rocking kind of. They're kind of going back to their roots, and it's working. But at some point, if it stops working, you know you got to be quick to pull the trigger the other way too. All right. Uh, anyway, back to the Sixers. How do they wrap it up tonight against the Heat? Yeah, I think. Uh, well, I mean, Vegas. The way the line is is speaking to everyone, the entire world is that the Seventy Sixers are favored by ten points in this game, and for the Sixers to turn the ball over like twenty eight times. And, and the last game and still find a way to victory. I really think they took the Heat's heart you know, to basically go to Miami, take two games to Miami. That was huge. And tonight I think the Heat come up here. They know it's a foregoing conclusion. I, I just think – and I, I think I think the Sixers are going to win big. The, the one thing is this series has been so chippy, and I think, I think it's going to be a, a dominant performance by the team tonight and just send Miami on their way. And just to speak of this series, the officiating in this series as a whole has been very, very disgraceful. I get it. It's playoff basketball. You're going to let the guys go at it more. You're going to let the two teams, you know, decide the outcome of the game. But it gets to a point where two teams are getting so physical and they're about to fist fight on the floor. The referees have lost total control of the game. And they just have to do a better job, like, the Justice Winslow thing, like, and Bede's mask is on the ground. The guy steps on his mask, like, tried to break it, and nothing was called at the time. There was no one sportsmanlike. There was no technical foul. Nothing was called. And yet, a day later, the NBA finds Justice Winslow $15,000. Well, that should have been handled by the officials on the court. And you got to love Joel Embiid's comment. I mean, the, the guy is, what a great Philly he is as yep. far as Amen. Yeah, an athlete, you know, brings it, plays hard every single night, is funny, can relate with the fans, always, you know, endearing himself to the fan base, you know, shows himself in public. I mean, the guy's just an absolute all-star. His social media game is off the hook. Sometimes it's a little over the edge, but and this is coming after the game. In fact, man, he goes, Justice, try to break my mask. But little does he know, I have fifty of them. I'm going to, be, I'm going to be a nightmare for them. And I mean, the guy, I mean, it's just amazing. And, and and give Ben Simmons some credit. I mean, what he is doing, just getting his teammates involved and all the other little things. And my God, if the guy does develop a jump shot, I know that's where I, I was going to go next, Johnny Mita. I mean, I I, I defer yeah. to you on this. Does he get yeah. his teammates involved because he can't shoot the rock? Because he has no confidence to shoot the rock? I mean, in game two when they were struggling, all yeah. I kept thinking back to was if this was Allen Iverson on the court, at some point he would have just dribbled the length of the court and pulled up and either hit a J or gotten fouled. Sometimes yeah. Ben Simmons doesn't even try and go to the rack or doesn't even try and pull up and get fouled because he, I don't think he has any confidence in that 
disappearing act that is his jump shot, or maybe it was never there. You would know better than me, but I just yeah. don't see how this guy is that good, and he literally can't shoot the ball from 20 feet away. Yeah. It, but he doesn't exactly, even try. I, no, I know. And you, you would just want him to throw one up here and there just to say, go for it. Just like, you know, we want folks to throw it up here and there. I think it's going to come over time. I mean, let, let uh, me ask you this. Can they possibly win the NBA title with a guy leading the team that doesn't shoot or can't shoot? And to me, it seems yeah. like at some point, and I'm not saying that they're well, expected to well, win it this year, yeah. and this is their only flaw, but the, I watch yeah. some of these other Eastern Conference games. I don't know why, but I've been watching playoff basketball. Maybe it's because the Sixers are relevant for the first time in a decade. But yeah. I'm, I'm watching these other teams, and I'm not looking at another team going, the Sixers can't beat them. I'm not saying that. Like the Celtics, yeah. I haven't watched much of their series, but they're in a dogfight. The Cavs are LeBron and nobody else. That's very yeah. clear. The Pacers, you know, appear yeah. like they yeah. might even beat the Cavs. I mean, you're you're yeah, talking Boston's about in a dogfight right. as well. Toronto's, know, I'm, Toronto's I'm, in a two-two tie. Yeah, no, I mean everybody. Um, you know, they're they're looking better than anybody else right now. I think you know people talk comparisons to Ben Simmons, it's Magic Johnson. Well, Magic Johnson was really never a guy that could come down and score. He, he didn't really shoot the ball that well. Right. And there was the other things that he did. But we also have to remember, too, this is Ben Simmons' first full season yeah. as an NBA basketball player. And youth does come in and come into the picture and to play here. And it's just one of those things is I think over time, maybe he gets that killer instinct. But it, it's 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 un, it's it's such a remarkable thing to understand that this guy is so good and so dominant without being able to shoot the basketball. Yeah. I mean, as a basketball player, as soon as you start playing the sport, what do you do? You just work on shooting the ball your entire lifetime. For some reason, it was all the other things that he got good at, and he left the shot somewhere. So I think over time, if, if somebody can work with him, if they can – I mean, even his foul shots, the guy doesn't even bend his knees. I mean, I'm shocked that he even makes free throws, but not at a great rate, but he, he does make them at points. So I, I think over time it's going to happen. I think we just need to – I think there's so much other firepower on the team. You look at the two European signees between Bellinelli and Ilya Silva and some of the other guys that are coming off the bench, I think they have enough firepower where he doesn't have to be that – to come down and yeah. take over and no, be I mean, that the proof's in the pudding. They're scoring points at a pretty good rate, 131 yeah. game. I mean, you could you beat anybody in basketball yeah. if you're scoring 130 points for the most part. So, Absolutely. And uh, I think also, too, that it's getting looked with this team is there are times when this team needs to clamp down defensively, and they've been able to get it done. You look at the last game towards the end of the third quarter and the fourth quarter, Joel Embiid was just blocking the ball all over the gym. It's their defense waiting games that I think has really been the difference in this series. All right, Sixers get it done. Do they cover the 10-point spread? Absolutely. They won by 20 tonight. All right, I love it. Um, let's transition somewhat nicely. You were starting to yeah. lean towards this thing known as the process when you're talking about youth and staying patient. I was almost going to say, you mean trust the process. One of your yeah. favorite commentators, and I mean uh, that in yeah. the complete opposite way, <laughs> <laughs> your favorite to hate on, uh, Screaming A. Yeah. Smith, as you call him, Stephen A. Smith from the Mothership. Yeah. Um, he has not always been on board with the process. Now, you said recently he had some comments that had you fired up. However, we found some audio from December 
on ESPN's First Take. So this is courtesy of ESPN's First Take. Stephen A. Smith with some comments on the process. You want to set this up at all, or should I just roll it? No, you just roll it. All right, he, he was asked mid-December, Sixers are a game above 500. Did, does he trust the process? No. I'm never going to trust the process because, the, because, because as I just finished explaining to Joel Embiid, uh, the process was never about the players. It has nothing to do with them. I think Joel Embiid is going to be a superstar in this league. I think Ben Simmons is going to be a superstar in this league. My problem, and I've always, and I, I've adamantly, I've been adamantly against it, and I always will, and I will never, ever waver on this position. There is no African-American that I have ever seen in the history of professional sports in this nation that was ever given a job with the license to lose on purpose and still maintain job security. If it were not for the commissioner himself, Adam Silver, intervening and ultimately facilitating the arrival of Jerry Colangelo, the Philadelphia 76ers would have lost for at least an additional year. I am a person who has received phone calls from the president of the Coaches Association and officials under him within the Coaches Association abhorring and lamenting the state of affairs that Brett Brown, the coach of the Philadelphia 76ers, was being subjected to. They considered it criminal. Greg Popovich came on the record, which is something he never, he would never do, to lament the state of affairs that was going on with another organization. This is when he came in here more than a year and a half ago and his team blew out the Philadelphia 76ers because his former assistant wasn't given talent on or was denied talent on purpose because of that process. Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons and every player on this team. So you, you can hear Max Kellerman, Johnny Mita, his co-host there saying uh, that he's wrong, and, and they get into a debate. Uh, your biggest issue with this type of take? If all these owners and all these coaches were so pissed off, well, then why were four other teams this year in the NBA accused of tank? Okay, case of point. Let me tell you, let me give you a perfect example of a team that basically, which I think Sam Hankey kind of modeled the process after. And I'm going to talk about the Oklahoma City Thunder, formerly the Seattle Super Personics. Okay? They had a terrible season. What happened? Boom. They get Kevin Durant at the number one pick. Okay? How many games did they win that year? Then they won like 20 games. The following year, they get Russell Westbrook. How many games did they win that year? Boom. 27 games, okay? So it's not like after getting two young, youthful superstar talents that they went out and were able to win 50 games, okay? Year three, boom, who do they get in the draft? James Harden, another top four pick, okay? I think he was third overall, okay? Then what happened? Then they started having 50-game win seasons. So that is the perfect example of what they were trying to do here. I get it. To say you're going to go out and lose games on purpose, does it affect the ethics, the integrity of the game? Sure. But when he goes after the Philadelphia fan base, like, and they just sat there and they let it happen, and blah, 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 no. We're a smart fan base. We understood what the hell they were trying to do. And I am so sick of him pulling the god darn race card with our social card with everything he talks about in sports. If this was an African-American general manager, listen, 
If an Allentown general, general manager was on the Sixers at the time with Sam Hankey and the ownership was on board and said, listen, this is what you laid out of how we're going to get better, how we're not just going to stay a mediocre team, I think they would have kept their job. It was because ownership was on board with it. They understood it. And then he's like, well, Adam Silver had to come in and then talk to the Sixers management or ownership and tell them to get a new executive in there because it was disgraceful. Well, you know what? And Silver, that's too much power on his end. It's just like we get mad at Roger Goodell for overstepping his bounds, okay? I own the goddamn team. I should be able to put in place whoever I want, whoever I want as a general manager, whoever I want as a coach. If I want some scrub coach to choke it up for a couple of years, then that's what happens. And look at that position. See, the problem with this whole thing is, you know, he had a problem with this for years, but look how the team has benefited from the so-called process. The other reason why they weren't winning games or or still losing is because they dealt with so many types of injuries. How many draft picks had to sit out? Norman's Noel wasn't ready for his year, first year. Ben Simmons wasn't ready until maybe the end of the season, but it wasn't worth it to put him in for 10 games. Joel Embiid, it wasn't worth it. He's been out of it. So it's not like, and I get it, they had some D-leaguers on the roster. But it freed up. When you have those little salaries on your team, that frees up the money so you can go out in free agency and sign the veterans that you need or sign that impact NBA free agent that you need to take this team to the next level. Case in point, next year, the Sixers will have enough money to sign a guy like LeBron James or a guy like Paul George or perhaps trade for Kawhi Leonard and put him on the book. So that's what this is all about. He can talk about how disgraceful he's ever on board. He is such a punk. I would love for him to get in a debate with me. And I'm just so sick of him. I, I'm sorry. I think the guy's a closet racist. I don't care. When I, I, I stand on here. This might offend people. But I just don't understand how everything comes back to race with him. It just drives me crazy. And I love one of my favorite basketball players in the entire league is Kevin Durant. And Kevin Durant... When he was talking about what should Kevin Durant do, he should go here. You know, and he killed Kevin Durant for choosing the Golden State Warriors. You know, but he's such a LeBron apologist. What do you think LeBron James did when he went to Miami and linked forces with Bosch and Wade? Wasn't the same thing as what Kevin Durant did to go out to Golden State to hook up with Draymond Green, Steph Curry, and Clay Thompson? Like, the guy is just such a hypocrite. He's a disgrace. I can't stand him. He's such a bum. I can't wait to the to the Sixers hoist the NBA title and they can just shove it right down Stephen A's throat. Uh, for the record, Stephen A recently said he expects the Sixers to go all the way to the finals, so he's changing his tune a bit. Uh, I will add yeah. to that. Think about LeBron and how he did the decision with the big hoopla and all this nonsense where Kevin Durant just shut his mouth and signed with Golden State. And I yeah. couldn't agree more with the race comment. When he went off on that tangent, that's why he has a problem with the process. Oh, Ben Simmons is a great yeah. player. Joel Embiid is a great player. Again, that's from mid-December. Yeah. And then he's like, yeah. but if there was basically, he's like, if there was a black GM in there, it would have never happened. That guy would have been fired. That, how does that correlate? That doesn't make any sense to me at all. You're right. Ownership no. is the one that agreed upon that process. Sam Hinkie knew what he was doing. Brett Brown knew what he signed up for. Black, white, green doesn't matter. I mean, that's that's the way they were playing this thing out. So... Um, and right. the rest of that soundbite was Max Kellerman ripping Stephen A. Smith, but that's what they do on that show every every morning. So that was ESPN's uh. first take back in December. 
uh, and just knew that uh, you you needed that. You needed that outburst. Uh, it's just, it, the guy drives me crazy. I mean, if he could bring some facts to the table, he's like, he's like, I'm just mad at the fan base because they stood for this. They stood for this because they understand it. It's not like they raised ticket prices. Okay, yeah. ticket prices during that time when they were throwing the D leaguers were very cheap. And, the, and they only drew about 11,000 fans. Right, I was going to okay? say, they weren't selling out. Right. It's not like they were right. selling out saying, we want more of this. Some of the fans right. didn't so, like it. Not everybody agreed right. with it. Right, exactly. Not everybody would agree with it. But in this day and age, Joe, it's so hard to, to rebuild. When you have to make trades for people, this is what people don't understand. When you have to trade in the NBA, all the money has to match up. Okay, all the contracts. So when somebody's getting rid of their stuff, you got to take on guys that you don't even want or might not even be good fits for your basketball team. Yeah. So there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff that goes on in the background. You know, he's like, well, they could have built it another way. I know Max Kellerman made a point. He was talking about well, the Celtics did it a different way. Now, and they were bad at one point too. And they, I mean, they kind of tried to tank one year too. So like, I don't want to hear that nobody else. Is interested in doing this because you looked around at the league. Adam Silver said there were a couple other NBA teams were like at this point because you need superstar talent. Okay, talent's what wins in this league. If you're drafting anywhere between 15 to 32 in the first round every single year because your basketball team is winning an average between you know 36 and 41 games, good luck on getting better. That's what the Sixers did for years. They were the seven or the eight seed. Right. And Andre Iguodala and, and Thaddeus Young. And, and... Right. And we just never – we were never going to be able to compete unless you get that superstar talent. And, and they got lucky along the way a little bit. If you, but, don't, if you don't have a quarterback in football, if you don't have a good goaltender in hockey, if you don't have superstars in basketball, you ain't winning. If you don't have starting pitching in baseball. I mean, these are, these are yeah. old adages that have carried over for decades. Well said. All right, Absolutely. let's. Uh, we only have a couple minutes left here because I know you got to yeah. get shaking. But uh, yeah. let's get to the Flyers. You know, I, I watched a lot of the first round series, which I was glad to actually sit back and watch them play off hockey. Disappointed because, unfortunately, Brian Elliott, Michael Neuvert decided not to mix in a save. Okay, <laughs> just mix in a save. Like we talk about somebody that's uh, that you know maybe a bit overweight. They need to mix in a salad. Flyers goaltenders need a mix and a save occasionally. Look at the games where they got decent goaltending. Game two, Elliott played like a human that had played in a net before with equipment on, stopping flying rubber pucks. They win, right? You look at the other game they won to force a game six. Michael Neuver played pretty well. If you don't get at least decent goaltending, you give yourself no shot, especially against a team that's won Stanley Cups and has all the talent that the Penguins have up front. Let's throw the goaltending out for a minute. Everybody's all over Dave Haxtell. I don't watch enough of the games in the regular season to tell you. I don't know why he kept playing Racco Gudis. I don't know why Brandon Manning is still playing professional ice hockey at the NHL level. I don't know why Andy McDonald is so relied upon heavily. But if you look at their defense and you take Gudis and you take Manning, and I know McDonald scored a couple of goals, whatever, but to me, he stinks. Those three guys, that's half your decor. That's half of the hockey game. You're playing with those guys, and they're not any good. Gudis, I get it. He works hard. He hits. He led the league in hits, uh, or he led the series in hits. I get it. He blocks shots, but he's a meat stick, okay? And he turns the puck over anytime he tries to overhandle it, evidenced by game six. This is not rocket science or breaking news. So your decor needs a major, major 
upgrade in the offseason. You need to add a veteran defenseman that can come in, be a leader, eat minutes, and not kill you on the defensive side of the puck. All right? You have Provorov. You have Sanheim, you have Hag, you have young defensemen. They're coming through the system. Carter Hart, the young goaltender, has a 2.1 goals against average in the WHL playoffs right now, and a save percentage that's almost at 940. At some point, as we talked about last podcast, he will be ready. Your defense is young. Your potential goaltender, the future is young. You need to add some veteran D this summer, and you have to get a bit bigger and a bit quicker if you can. I like the youth and speed. We talked about how fast this Flyers team was at times this year in previous podcasts. I like some of that youth and speed. The Flyers need a little bit more size and a little bit more speed up front, plus some veteran D. I'm not talking major overhaul. I'm talking two defensemen that are that are new to the system from other organizations and probably a forward or two upgrade along the wing, and I think this is a much better hockey team because I'm tired of Matt Reed. I'm tired of Brandon Manning. Tired of Racco Gudis. Get him the hell out of here. Andy McDonald beat it. All right? You only have one more, one more year left of Brian Elliott's contract. It, there were some steps in the right direction. I don't know if it's the coach. I don't know if he's the thing that's got to get changed. But I can see this thing building in the right direction. You just got to stay with it, Flyers fans. Yeah, you bring up a lot of good points. Uh, first and foremost, I, I like to give some big props out to Sean Couturier. Yep. Uh, for the heart and determination this guy showed and playing a couple games of the torn MCL and basically keeping the Flyers in the mix in this series. Yep. What a uh, unbelievable performance on his part. And by the and, way, can I can I add one that's, quick that's great. Can I add one yep. quick thing? My boy Black Jesus, the heart and soul to me of this Flyers team was not himself, yep. okay? The, yeah. the parts of the series I watched, I knew something was up. He was he had zero impact. All right? Maybe zero. a little bit in game 5 and game 6, but the first four games he was invisible. When was the last time you watched Wayne Simmons play ice hockey and he wasn't in somebody's face, he wasn't in the other goaltender's kitchen, he wasn't smashing the Christ out of somebody along the glass. I mean, he had no net front presence. He had like zero shots. I don't know what his final numbers were, but they were yeah. very, very un-Wayne Simmons-like. So I'm sure the injury announcement will be coming soon. Guaranteed yep. something major was wrong with my boy Black Jesus. Continue. I I, I agree. And... uh yeah, it was like some people are saying that like he might be done, he might be shot as a player, but I agree. No. I think he was definitely no, you, I think, crazy. Nah. No, I know, I crazy. know. He's yeah. look. He's, Wayne Simmons is your fi- he's a fifteen to twenty goal guy. Okay, the year yeah. whatever is it two years ago last year he had thirty or whatever. That that yeah, is yeah. the that is the abnormal for Wayne Simmons. He's a right, prototypical right. power forward, net front on the power play, hammer the Christ out of people going to get you 15 to 20 goals. That's what you get from, yeah. Wayne, from Wayne Simmons the next couple of years as he winds down his career. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm I, definitely in your camp on that right. one. Any final thoughts up, on the Flyers? Yeah, hold on. Yeah, you bring up some good points. I agree with you wholeheartedly. Okay, this team has turned the puck over so many times in their own zone. It absolutely tortured them. Uh, their power play was not great at all. And you're right. they got to bring in some new defense to go with the young kids to show them the way, and my God, Ron Hextall, you have to find a way to find a goddamn goaltender. And I, you know what? I'm totally on board with I'm sorry. I'm going to say it. I know the kid's young. He might not be ready, but it's time to throw Carter Hart to the Wolves next year or at least give him the opportunity to be the backup for this hockey team. You have to – at some point, I know he, he did a great job molding Jonathan Quick out of Los Angeles, but at some point this – this team needs a goaltender to steal a game in the playoffs. And 
and Amlin's not on the roster right now. So between the defense and you got to find a goaltender, and they do need more help up front. You're right. Get rid of Brandon Madden. You're right. Get rid of Dale Weiss, Jordan Wheel. Like, there's so many mediocre offensive players on this team. Guys, so you look at some of these teams that are doing, you know, they're still not in the playoffs. They have, like, two to three really solid lines. Some have even four good lines. So there's a lot to build on. I think it was a successful season just to make it to the playoffs. I think they're trending, so to speak, in the right direction. But there's a lot in the offseason that needs to take place before this hockey team can take the next step moving forward. And no no business, no excuse to lose game six. They should be playing tonight in Pittsburgh yeah. game seven. Absolutely. They're up 4-2, and they just killed themselves. I know. Yeah. It was embarrassing. Embarrassing. And for the idiots throwing stuff on the ice – it's even way more yep. embarrassing. Like embarrassing. trying to trying to get past this stigma of being a bad fan base and and, yep. and being a city yep. of champions, city of winners. I've been using the city of champions line on anybody that'll listen to me the last three months. And then a bunch there of donkeys are going to go ruin it again because the officials were, the officials were a little too drunk. Don't yeah. say you, you um, know. And the Penguins took full advantage. But uh, all right, Johnny Mita, uh, Phillies are a, a renaissance. Seven games above five hundred. They could play 500 ball the rest of the year, probably sniff a wild card spot. That's outstanding. We'll get to them in a future podcast. But the Philadelphia Eagles will be on the clock Thursday night with the last pick in the first round because they're the Super Bowl champs. The Super Bowl Uh, champs. What do you got? Exactly. And it's just going to be interesting on what they do here. Are they going to move down, you know, try to move up to try to get a player that they really covet? Or are they going to basically move back and try to acquire like a second and a third round pick? because they don't have any of those picks. So, you know, I'm looking for them to either look at a skill type of player, wide receiver, running back, perhaps another tight end. Uh, defensively, I think they're – I mean, the other wild card defensively is maybe they pick up another corner late uh, just because uh, with the arrest of Darren Worley and basically dismissing him from the organization. So – it's going to be interesting to see what they do. It's going to be interesting to see what the rest of the league does. And I can't wait the fact that I don't know who's going to be announced in the first-round draft pick. I'm hoping it's my boy b Dog. But when they get to the pick and they go, and the Super Bowl champion Philadelphia Eagles select, boom. And Jerry's World in Dallas, how great that could Yeah, it's going to be awesome. And, you know, the smattering of booze is going to be awesome. And I can't wait for that. So, yeah, looking forward to it. There's not much buzz this year on the draft because – Hey, there's not much buzz when you're champions of the world, you know. <laughs> what else? What else? Nothing else can go wrong. So, so you're so you're th- you're thinking skill position at some point, whether that be receiver, yeah. tight end, running back, and then at some point as well, cornerback, just add to the depth. Exactly, and obviously, you know, the Eagles love to build on their O line and D line, so you you could also see some of that. How about a punter? You think they'll draft a punter? How about Donnie Jones? He's like, I'm retiring. Now he wants to come out of retirement. What was up with that deal? I don't don't understand that. Bag of bones Jones, man. Yeah, yeah, well, good job by the Eagles to rewarding Nick Foles with a couple extra million. Brandon Brooks restructuring his contract. Big ups to him because not many players in this day and age, professional athletes, will sacrifice some of their own money to help out a teammate that is brought them to the next level. By the way, way, to help out a backup. Yep. You know, I mean, it might not be week might, one, but by week uh, yeah. four, five, six, he could be the backup again. Well, he could He could also be traded. I mean, Lane Johnson and Brandon Brooks were on there like, 
you know, there, there's still a possibility. He, they both said he stated that he wanted to be a starter in this league. So who knows? If the quarterbacks don't fall to a certain team, it, it, you know, Howie Rosen, man, he is – He's a magician. Who knows what the hell the guy's yep. going to do on draft? Could be though. wheeling and dealing, especially I re, you know, read a lot about the con, uh, compensatory picks the Eagles will get for all the free agents they lost, which they would be 2019 selections. Do they possibly yeah. move some of their current 2019 selections to get more yeah. selections in this year's draft, knowing that they're going to get the compensatory picks for yeah. next year? They just don't know where those will fall quite yet. So. Uh, yep. Some moving pieces for the Eagles, and they're always moving on draft day, so we'll see what happens. Uh, by the way, our stat of the day before we wind things down, Johnny Mita, Brandon Brooks has allowed one sack over the last two seasons. It was opening week of two years ago against Cleveland. He has not allowed a sack since. Pretty damn good. All right, brother, good stuff. Trust the process. Go Phils. Eagles Super Bowl champs. It's the Brotherly Love Podcast on SoundCloud and iTunes. Follow us on Twitter at Love Podcast. Johnny Mita, you're the man. Until next time, Joe O'Donnell signing off. We'll see you. Thanks for listening to the Brotherly Love Podcast on SoundCloud.com.